You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you at as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill. Rich Hill, happy halfway point of the NFL season. It's unbelievable. How will we get to week eight already? This is crazy. I feel yeah. like we just blinked. The preseason is still ongoing for the New England Patriots. And uh, it doesn't look like it'll stop this week against a pretty bad Cleveland Browns team. But here we are, halfway through the year. New England still doesn't have a full identity uh, on their offensive side, but they have the best defense in NFL history. So I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm great, man. I can't believe it's week eight already as well. I also can't believe that the schedule makers thought that Patriots Browns was some kind of AFC championship preview back when they made it. But that was the prediction uh, around uh, May or so when the Browns were loading up. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that game in a bit. As we are at the halfway point in the season, it's time to try thinking about that coveted playoffs and a couple of Real barn burners this week, Rich Hill, as the Washington Redskins play the Minnesota Vikings tonight on Thursday Night Football. I'm sure everyone's going to tune into that one. We've got a massive Dolphins versus Steelers matchup on Monday Night Football. Everyone can't wait for that one. We've got the Jets and the Jaguars going at it, the Giants and the Lions, just chock full of NFL action this week, Rich Hill. Any games that... Any games at all excite you in this miserable slate of games in Week 8? Please, any of these games be interesting. Um, You know, if I am going through this schedule, I would say that there are two games that I think could be good and that I would be interested to watch. One of them being Packers at Chiefs. It is Sunday night football. But the Chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes, so who knows? The Packers look great. Their offense has really started to gel under new head coach LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers is playing as good as ever, and their defense is playing solid football. And then the Chiefs have uh, Matt Moore, who as early as this summer uh, offseason was playing uh, scout for the Miami Dolphins. He was scouting quarterbacks for the draft, so he was not expecting to be a starting quarterback for a potential playoff team this season. So he will be at home trying to prevent the Chiefs from losing three in a row at home. I know they won last week, but that was in Denver, so they've lost their past two games at Arrowhead. And uh, if the Packers beat the Chiefs, Alec, what does that mean for the AFC playoff picture? Chiefs falling to 5-3. and three. What are some other games around the AFC that we should watch to capitalize on that could change the face of the conference? Yeah, I mean, I think that Chiefs will lose on Sunday night. I don't think that Matt Moore can, can hang with Aaron Rodgers. That Chiefs defense is bad enough that Aaron Rodgers should be able to feast on them, which means that the next matchup to watch will actually be, ironically, uh, Colts-Broncos. Uh, I figured this time, even last week, this wasn't as big a deal, but the Colts have beaten the Chiefs and the Texans. There are two horses going at it right now in Indianapolis, and the Colts could get a stranglehold on first place in the AFC South, especially if the Texans slip up against the Raiders. Uh, luckily, the Colts will know there's a result of their game beforehand. The Texans play the late game next to the Patriots. Uh, I don't think either home team, Texans or Colts, will lose this game uh, on paper, but you never know, man. That's why you play the game. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because I think 
all of these games could really go one direction or another. Uh, and if everything goes in the Patriots' favor this week, you know, maybe we'd see the Eagles beat the Bills, the, the Broncos beat the Colts, the Raiders beat the Texans, the Packers beat the Chiefs. None of those seem too unlikely to me. And those are the biggest competition that the Patriots have in the conference other than the Ravens who are on a bye week. Uh, but one other game of interest that I would want to highlight is the Panthers on the road against the undefeated 49ers. Alec, do you think that the 49ers can remain undefeated against this Carolina team? I don't know, man. Ever since Cam Newton went down, the Panthers have been unstoppable. Uh, I don't know what it is. They also just recently, um, the Niners did, it's acquired Emmanuel Sanders. So a really intriguing matchup right here. Uh, I think the Niners will stay undefeated. I think neither the Patriots nor the Niners will go undefeated all season. But they're at home. They're coming off a pretty sloppy win against Washington. I think they want to bounce back and show their offense can still hang. This will be a really close game, though. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I, I think that the the Panthers might be able to win on that one, but who knows? I, I like this 49ers team a lot. I love watching Jimmy Garoppolo succeed uh, out in California, and I would love for an 18-0 and Patriots against 18-0 and 49ers Super Bowl. That would be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Alec, for all of the games that are taking place this week, do you see any upsets happening? I do. There's one I've got my eye on. I just talked about it very briefly about how the Colts and the Broncos, Colts should win that one on paper. Uh, the Broncos, as I mentioned, traded Emmanuel Sanders away. They're kind of mailing it in for this season, looking toward the draft in next year, which means they'll upset the Colts and win and screw themselves. So that's kind of how the Broncos <laughs> roll. Uh, I think the Broncos will take maybe a cocky Colts team out, upset an Indy. Oh, wow. I like that. I mean, this is a Colts team coming off of a victory over the Houston Texans. Maybe they will have uh, left it all out on the field. And uh, they haven't been overly dominant, but they've been, you know, fundamentally sound as a team. That's what you can say for a team that wins in boring fashions. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. If I had to choose my upset, I would go Cardinals over Saints. Uh, the Saints are 6-1. and one, Cardinals are 3-3-1. Three, three and one, But Kyler Murray has been playing out of his mind. He's doing a great job. Uh, and Cliff Kingsbury, former Patriots backup quarterback, now their dreamboat head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> has been drawing up exceptional plays for that offense, getting players in space, really maximizing on the talents of the players available. And their defense has been doing pretty well. And so you have a banged up Saints team. Uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, who has done a great job, don't get me wrong, he's been undefeated, but he's been uh, exceptionally, uh, you know, unexciting. And, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see if the Cardinals were able to pull off an upset in dramatic fashion this week. Well, as you know, Drew Brees is just a system quarterback, courtesy of Teddy Bridgewater, so anything can happen there. Uh, I love the Saints. I hope the Saints are playing the Patriots Super Bowl. That's my dream matchup because I'd be happy either way, honestly, if that happened, but we will see. Uh, upsets, speaking of, I think it would be considered an upset at this point if the Browns beat the Patriots in Gillette. This is supposed to be a really coveted matchup, two high-powered offenses going up against each other. Uh, hasn't really shaken out that way as the season's gone on. The Cleveland Browns have been as inconsistent a team as you can possibly hope to find. They are 2-4 and four right now. Their win's coming over the Jets, who had Trevor Simeon in the beginning and the end of the Luke Falk era. And somehow they just demolished the Ravens, which makes no sense to me. Uh, Patriots, as we know, 7-0, rolling over teams, 30-plus points, couple of shutouts. The defense is stopping everybody. What are your initial thoughts on this game, Rich? 
Yeah, I mean, so I first have to look at where have the Cleveland Browns been going wrong? You know, we had all of these high expectations for them, and why aren't they succeeding? Why are they coming across so poorly? And you have to wonder, is it because they traded away a lot of their talent on the offensive line? Uh, you know, they, they I don't know about that. Is, is like, what is going on with this Browns team that, Baker Mayfield has not been able to build off of his great finish for a rookie season. They have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They have all of the pieces for an exciting offense with a great running back in Nick Chubb. And the only thing I can think of is that their offense is terrible because of the coaching staff. I don't think head coach Freddie Kitchens and offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, who, uh, you know, I don't believe Munkin actually has the ability to call plays or to drop the offense. And Munkin actually was a pretty good deep ball offensive coordinator for the, the Buccaneers over the past or the previous three seasons. I just don't think Freddie Kitchens is drawing up an exciting or interesting offense. And that's why they've been faltering on that side of the ball. Baker Mayfield has been turning over the ball a lot. 11 interceptions. He has the highest interception rate in the league. He's been getting sacked a lot. He's not been producing. And they're not doing a good job getting other players involved. So looking at how top-heavy this Cleveland Browns team is, looking at their, their yards from scrimmage, you have Nick Chubb, 735. He's their running back. He's able to run and catch. He's exceptional. He makes up roughly a third of the Browns' entire offense. Then you have Odell Beckham, 451 receiving yard, or yards from scrimmage. Jarvis Landry, 449. Together, that's you know 900 yards right there. That's you know a substantial amount. So, but among the three of them, Chubb, Beckham, and Landry, they comprise roughly 1,600 of the the Browns' 200 or 2,200 yards from scrimmage. That's incredibly top-heavy, and it's to the point where opposing defenses can say, we'll double-cover Odell Beckham, we'll sell out to stop the run against Nick Chubb, because you have no one else in this offense that's able to produce. Their next highest yardage guy is Ricky Seals-Jones, their tight end, who has seven catches on the year. That's it. And so if if that is the type of player that you have, a guy who averages a little over one catch per game as your next biggest threat, opposing defenses aren't going to be afraid of that. And the Patriots will not be the first one to start because they'll take advantage of Baker Mayfield's interceptions and they'll match up very well against this Browns, defense, uh, Browns offense. So how are they matching up, Rich? Is it a situation where obviously Belichick loves taking away number one weapon? Yeah. Making you beat them with guys two, three, four, and five. Would you say Nick Chubb is the guy they want to erase? Is it Landry? Is it OBJ? Is it Baker Mayfield? What's your Belichick strategy to eliminate the number one weapon? Who is the number one weapon? Yeah, no, that's a great question because uh, they have three weapons. You know, as I said, it's, it's Chubb, Beckham, and Landry. I would say they would think that Chubb can beat them. They would think that Beckham can beat them. I don't think that anyone would expect Landry to tilt the game one direction or another. That's just not the type of receiver he is. He's a very good possession receiver, but he's not going to be the one that, you know, busts it open in the way that Beckham can be a 200-yard-per-game receiver. Chubb can get 200 yards on the ground. Those two players can really tilt the game. Landry cannot. So if I were the Patriots, I would say 
Stefan Gilmore, you will be tasked with covering Odell Beckham and maybe even give him some safety help because there doesn't seem to be much else for the safeties be, to be doing this game. And then the Patriots should do their f- heavy defensive line. I would expect them to use, you know, uh, Lawrence Skye, Danny Shelton, and Adam Butler to play a substantial number of stats on that line of scrimmage with players like John Simon and Kyle Van Noy on the edges to really ensure that Chubb is not able to turn the corner, make sure that Chubb is not able to put the Browns in favorable situations on second and third down. And so long as the Patriots are able to force the Browns into passing situations, I would expect New England to be able to capitalize on some of Baker Mayfield's more errant throws and have a lot of turnovers the same way that we've seen in the past. Now, Rich, on Monday night against the Jets, the Patriots dialed up a ton of blitzes, a lot of zero blitzes, a lot of stunt blitzes. They had Sam Darnold completely rattled and confused. Do you see the Patriots blitzing a lot against Baker Mayfield or more allowing the pass rush to do its thing naturally, keeping the linebackers in the middle of the field to stop the over routes or the under routes, uh, keep Nick Chubb contained? What's the if you're if you're Gerard Mayo, are you blitzing a lot or are you playing more conservative here? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say that they will definitely want to mix it up because you don't ever want to get into too much of a pass rush rhythm because despite all of the challenges Baker Mayfield has had this year as a quarterback, he's still a good player. He'll still be able to capitalize if he's able to recognize what's happening. And so the best part of what they did against Sam Darnold is never show the same thing or do multiple things out of the same exact look. And so that involves faking pressures, actually sending players, sending pressures from creative spots, throwing a lot of stunts at them, challenging that offense, giving and making sure that Baker Mayfield has less than two seconds to figure out where the pressure's coming from, finding the open receiver and throwing it to them. And uh, I don't expect him to be able to do that because he hasn't shown the ability to do that this year. And so long as you get that lot of pressure on him, he's not going to find players deep down the field. And so... Uh, I would expect the Patriots to try and rattle him early and often, and this is a new Patriots defense. They're not just happy to sit back and watch younger quarterbacks make mistakes. They're going to go after him and force them to do it. Yes, they are, which is why Jamie Collins is my X Factor today. Not only as a pass rush threat, we've seen what he can do as a blitzer, but I think he's good for containing Baker Mayfield should he decide to take off. I'm not saying he's going to be like a spy linebacker. It's a waste of his talents in this uh, respect. But he can keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket, get to when he needs to, and also kind of monitor Nick Chubb out of the backfield as a receiving threat and getting around the edge, like you mentioned. I think he's got the lateral speed to really do that. I'd love to see Jamie Collins have two jobs, uh, make Baker Mayfield very unhappy most of the time, and make sure Nick Chubb doesn't move the ball too well. I think he's very capable of doing both of those things. Oh, I like that. I mean, Nick Chubb is their third leading receiver. He has 20 receptions on the year, so he is definitely going to see his fair share of targets, probably going to get about five targets over the course of the game. Jamie Collins will absolutely be tasked with covering him. Wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Van Noy had some time in coverage as well. And I'm going to put my focus on that defensive front as well for New England because I expect Gilmore to do his job. He is an all-pro cornerback, best cornerback in the league, so it's not going to say it's an X-factor for him to have a a big matchup against Odell, even though that is the marquee matchup. I would say my X factor is going to go to Danny Shelton, who has emerged this year as a great nose tackle for the Patriots. He's figured out his role in New England. Bill Belichick has figured out what role fits Danny Shelton. It's a great marriage between the two of them. He's been doing a great job 
against the run over the course of this year. And fortunately for New England, they've been able to rack up a big enough lead early on. So these defensive tackles don't get as much playing time as they've had in the past because uh, the situation just doesn't call for it. But early on against Nick Chubb and this Cleveland Browns offensive front. Danny Shelton's going to have to eat up a lot of space, allow the linebackers to make plays, and even make some plays of his own to really help New England stop the run and build up some early leads so they can force Baker Mayfield to make some other errors down the field. Now, Rich, building up an early lead requires the offense. Well, not usually, in most cases, requires the offense scoring points. Maybe not with this Patriots defense. seem to score points as well. But I imagine we're relying on the offense to do the bulk of the heavy lifting when it comes to getting the ball in the end zone. The big concern is always the offense this season, blah, blah, blah. The offense only put up 33 points against the Jets. They're not that good. What's this Cleveland Brown? I feel like I'm looking at this roster – and I see some names that I should like a lot that should resonate some nervousness in me. Uh, guys like Olivier Vernon. Uh, there's guys like uh, Gree Williams, though the rookie who I like a lot is Miles Garrett, the highly coveted draft pick uh, a couple years ago. But I also feel like this Cleveland Browns defense isn't one that anybody's talking about, and they're not really scaring anybody. So why is that exactly? Yeah, it, it's a really interesting. So they've been dealing with a lot of injuries as of late. They had their two starting cornerbacks get injured in week two against the New York Jets. Both Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams suffered injuries. They're both projected to return against the Patriots. So we shall see how that changes for them uh, because they are definite upgrades in that secondary. And what's interesting is that their defensive coordinator is Steve Wilkes. He learned under, uh, I guess, multiple stops, but he really became a defensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers under Steve, uh, under Ron Rivera. Plays a lot of similar defenses to what we've seen with from Sean McDermott out in uh, Buffalo, which gave New England a lot of trouble. And so you look at this Cleveland Browns defensive front. And they have a lot of really top-end talent in there with Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Olivier Vernon, as you said. Uh, they have some good players, Sheldon Richardson. They, they have players that can generate a lot of pressure. They can get after the quarterback. Miles Garrett is one of the top five pass rushers in the entire league already. Uh, he has nine sacks on the season, so uh, Marshall Newhouse definitely be a little bit concerned there. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that fares. That should be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but they just have had those injuries. They don't have a great linebacker core, so once you get past that initial line of scrimmage, there isn't too much to sing praises about this year unless Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are able to return to their pre-injury ability. So if you are Josh McDaniels, you're dialing up an offensive scheme against this Browns defense, which is, according to you, it seems like a kind of a question mark based on the health and availability and how well these guys can perform coming back from injury. Are you looking to establish the run a lot? It's a lot of quick passes. It's taking some deep shots. Uh, how are you attacking this Browns defense, Josh McDaniels? Yeah, so my initial thought is that you look at how much you want to avoid making Tom Brady stand in the pocket against a player like Miles Garrett, and that means that this is going to be a huge James White day because you're going to negate the pass rush by throwing passes to running backs in the flat. You know, James White, Brandon Bolden, Damian Harris, these are the players that could get those opportunities coming out of the backfield. But then there's one thing that sticks out to me about this Browns defense. They rank 31st in the league in yards allowed per rush at 5.0. And so I am wondering if, 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 does it make sense for the Patriots to say, 
we're going to do ball control. Yeah, there, there's a pass rush that you have that is great, but are the Patriots able to run the ball up the gut against this Browns defense? I don't see why not. I would be intrigued, and so that's why my X factor is going to be Sony Michelle. I, I think Sony Michelle has flashed some ability as a receiver last week, uh, notwithstanding that negative eight reception uh, or negative eight yard reception against the Jets. But he has shown that once you get the ball in his hands in the open field, he's able to make players miss. And I would expect the Patriots to try and establish opportunities for Michelle to get the ball in the second level against these teams to try and force possible matchups by keeping him on the field so the Browns get their heavier sets and then maybe challenge them with passes down the field. But Michelle could be a chess piece for this Patriots offense, and I'm curious to see how he produces. Tell you, man, it's really funny you pick Michelle because I am very much with you on the running game. And one player, I think, who's been fantastic for the Patriots this year, hasn't gotten a lot of love from me at least, looking forward to changing that right now, is my X-Factor, Brandon Bolden. Uh, I think he has been a dominant player. He's returning kicks. He's on the punt unit. He's been on a, been on a punt block. He had a beautiful back shoulder catch against the sidelines uh, on the Jets uh, on Monday night sweeps some end arounds a little shovel passes they're using him in very interesting ways doesn't see a lot of snaps a lot of touches but almost every time he touches the ball good things happen so i can see him breaking one out or maybe returning a kick big or doing something in the as and on the punt team that helps turn the tide for the pages in this game i like that a lot he ranks third on the team with three touchdowns uh behind only michelle and dorsett so that's great and i like it i mean he's really found his spot in this patriots offense with rex burkhead being sidelined bolden has really emerged and done a great job and uh it's crazy he's like only 29 years old he's still fairly young has low mileage i don't see why he can't continue to do that and if i were the patriots i actually like what you're thinking right there if if i put both james white and brandon bolden on the field have them chip the edges make sure that vernon and garrett don't get clean releases to go after brady leak out into the flat they can get some passes make these weak browns linebackers miss in the open field that could do a good amount of work to move the ball down the field until the Browns are able to show that they can stop that. And I don't think they have the the coverage ability in the linebacker level like the the Bills did with Matt Milano and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And so I, I would expect that that could work a lot. And so I like the pick with, with Brandon Bolden there. Um, but going to the wide receiver spot, what are you seeing for New England at wide receiver, and can we expect any sort of consistency from there, especially after Tom Brady has kind of struggled in the passing game in the recent weeks? Yeah, he has, and again, it really all comes down to, as you mentioned, the health of Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, the secondary. There's some good names on this team that really haven't made lived up expectations, and I don't know who's going to be out there once again. Uh, Josh Gordon is still a question mark. I don't know how involved Mohamed Sanu will be. I think there will be a very limited package for him. Jacoby Myers has looked great. Uh, Philip Dorsett seems to be back, but again, he's not a number one receiver. Uh, I think James White looks for a big day from him, a big day for Brandon Bolden as a receiver back uh, and with that pass rush being what it is I think it'll be a lot of quick passes a lot of short ones for Julian Edelman maybe Gunner gets involved in this game I feel like Gunner is the kind of uh, Gunner Roshevsky is the kind of player you want on a quick little screen he can make guys miss in space so I don't see a whole lot of deep shots happening for the Patriots uh, just due to uh, time of the pass rush and that offensive line and protecting Brady but I think as you mentioned the linebackers are weak the middle of the field should be wide open and if they can establish the run early get the linebackers to bite on the play action I think Edelman should have a field day over the the middle 
Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a big day from Julian Edelman, especially against this defense. I think Edelman should be able to produce a lot as a receiver. Brady has really been relying on him, especially with uh, all the other receiving players kind of question marks inconsistent unavailable element has always been there he has been showing his rapport he's had a few ugly drops but hopefully he can you know i mean he always makes up for it at some point in time so i like that i expect a big game from edelman as well alec do you have any final thoughts on matchups from this game or do you want to to do some predictions yeah let's do it get the predictions let's get, see what's going to happen here going back to last week what do we got let's see uh, you uh, you got it almost exactly right, Rich. You had the Patriots winning 33-13. to 13. So you were 13 points off with the Patriots, uh, the Jets, excuse me, scoring because they scored no points. I had the, Patri- <laughs> I had the Patriots winning 27-14, to 14, so I was way worse than you. So you got the nod for the Jets game, which means you pick first. Home against Cleveland, what do you got? Well, I think that's the big part is that it's home against Cleveland. This is not a great Cleveland team. Uh, they got shellacked by the 49ers back in week five in primetime 31 to three that was on the road but they also beat the baltimore ravens uh on the road shellacked them so i don't know what version of this browns team we're gonna get against this Patriots squad maybe it's this browns team is gonna have some players returning from injury and there'll be a whole different makeup this is the patriots at gillette New England is going to win this one. I feel pretty confident in saying that. It's just a matter of by how much. And I think that the Patriots match up extraordinarily well against this Cleveland Browns offense, and they will be able to force mistakes. They will be able to force turnovers. And, uh, you know, I trust Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady to figure something out with this offense, get things going, where they'll be able to negate this really great Browns defensive line that obviously win the talent matchup against the Patriots offensive line. And, you know, whether it's Michelle or Bolden or James White, so they're, they're going to get some sort of production. And I expect New England to win this one again pretty comfortably. I'm going to go with the score of 34 to 6. 34 to 6. Got it. At some point this season, it happens every year almost without fail, the Patriots just play a really bad game. They are sloppy. Nobody shows up. They look really crappy. They give some no-name quarterback a field day. The last time the Cleveland Browns came to Gillette Stadium was in 2013. Uh, Rob Gronkowski got his knee blown out on a pot of play. The Jason Campbell-led Browns offense were up. The pass needed an onside kick recovery. And then a, a pass interference call that was questionable to Josh Boyce in the end zone. And Danny Amendola came back. They scored a touchdown in like two touchdowns out of a minute and a half. Barely pulled out a win against a very bad Browns team. So the Cleveland Browns have come into Gillette Stadium in the past and given the Pats all they can handle. I think before that was in Cleveland when the Eric Mangini-led Browns got a Gatorade bath after they beat him with some trick plays. So this is one of those teams that sucks but has in the past given the Patriots problems. Will that happen this week? No. <laughs> no, well, I, this defense is too good. I think that the offense will be better and they will slowly start to build. And I'd love to see what I'm very looking for, much forward to what Sanu is going to be able to do. Uh, I keep saying the Patriots are going to score less than 30 points. I don't know why I keep doing that. I'm going to stop it this time. I'm going to go Patriots score exactly 30 points and the Browns get maybe a either a early touchdown or a garbage time touchdown for a 30 to 7 victory. Ooh, I like that a lot. I like that. Uh, Alec, I have one more prediction question for you. Uh, this Patriots defense 
has been putting up a lot of points on the board. Do they get another defensive score, whether it's a safety? You know, we can throw special teams on this as well. Does the Patriots defense slash special teams score against the Browns? I say the answer is yes. It will be on a strip sack, scoop and score fumble from Kyle Van Noy again. He seems to be the guy we go to. I feel like maybe like he will do a uh, with the the John Simon Kyle Van Noy strip sack that wasn't against the Jets. They mm-hmm. finished their business against the Browns this time. Nobody grazes Kyle Van Noy's foot. He goes in untouched. <laughs> I like that. Uh, my guess is going to be Stephon Gilmore on a pick six. Uh, it's going to be either on like a screen or an out route. He's just going to jump it perfectly, and there's going to be no Browns player in sight as he goes into the end zone untouched. That's my prediction for the Patriots' defensive score of the week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week eight of the NFL season? (laughs) You know we're spoiled, man. We're making predictions on which way the defense is going to score this week. We are obnoxious, and I love it. Yeah, I got to do anything to to keep this interesting. (laughs) So, Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You you too, man. See ya. (laughs) Later, man.